Hey there, and welcome to Leading Change Conversations, the podcast where we tackle real-life challenges with leaders like you to make organizational change a breeze. In this episode, we dive into using the so-called ABC to communicate change top-down in a much more effective way. Stay tuned if you want to learn more about this hands-on tool. I am Ulrike Seminati, and I am your host, and I train, coach, and inspire leaders and leadership teams to turn into successful change agents, to communicate with impact, and to lead with authenticity. And today, I'm really pleased to have a great and amazing guest with me, Ricardo Troiano. Ricardo is a change leader, practitioner, and enthusiast. His career in change spans over 10 years in industry and almost 20 in management consulting across four continents and multiple industries. Welcome, Ricardo. Yeah, thanks for having us. I've been following you on LinkedIn for quite some time now, so I'm very, very pleased to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I think we will have a really inspiring conversation today. And we will focus on the importance of top-down communication, especially when it comes from the really highest levels, from C-levels, for example. C-levels are often sponsors of change. And what you and I have seen quite often in a number of organizations is that the top-down communication doesn't really work very well. People do not feel inspired by the change and therefore do not embrace the change. Can you give us a bit of background on where the challenges lie here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always been an issue in, in communicating, but but I do think it's gotten worse over the years. I think back when I started I'm dating myself back in the 90s, uh, there was a lot of work on ERPs, if you remember that, right? Enterprise resource plannings, you know, Oracle, Bond, SAP, PeopleSoft, you know, all the way to these days and work days. Um, and it was clear, right? There was it was a time-bound, clear end state change. Um, so we had a communications plan that said, well, here's the vision. Here's a timeline, you know, go out and communicate. And it was perhaps easier for leaders to communicate. But then, you know, you fast forward to where we are, globalization, the speed of change, advent of, of software as a service through cloud computing, and now we're getting into AI. And it's really tipping into emergent change. Now, that phrase has been around for, for a long time. I think Kurt Levine might have even used it in the 50s. But Emerging changes that we don't exactly know how it's going to end up. And I think this causes a lot of fear in a lot of the senior leaders and, and managers and saying, well, hold on, I'm supposed to communicate the end vision. I don't know what that looks like, so I better be quiet. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I've seen as well. That there's a lack of transparency very often because I think leaders fear to say the wrong thing. So they, they'd rather say nothing or not enough. Is that what you experience too? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, again, if you look at any model, right, and it's there's a million change models out there, as, as I'm sure you know, they all certainly lean towards that, make sure you're clear on the vision and the end state and where you're going to go. And, and they can wrap a lot of the communications around that. Once that goes away, what do I, what do I say? You know, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know what there looks like once I do get there. So, you know, let me wait until I'm, I have clarity before speaking. And these days, you know, clarity doesn't come so easily. So they end up not communicating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What have you seen as a consequence to this in organization? First, I always think of it as, you know, we talk about managing 
uh, resistance, right? And it's not that people are afraid of change, right? I mean, we all, you know, change is a natural part of human existence and we're all familiar with it and in our personal lives and at work. So I think it's less about being afraid of change. I think it's more being uncomfortable with the unknown, right? So when leaders aren't speaking and sharing even what they're going through, uh, it leaves people to fill in the blanks, right? And, and as we always say, if you look at at horror movies, right? The, the the monster behind the door is always scarier than the one you see, right? Because you hear it and you don't know and you start building in your head what this could be. And I think that's what happens. It causes unnecessary angst in the organization around, am I going to be impacted? What will that look like? How's this going to roll out? What will happen to my colleagues? So it really just causes anxiety and and creates probably a worse picture in people's heads than, than they're actually going to go through when, when the change starts rolling out. Have you ever seen a C-level saying something like, hey guys, I really don't know where we are going. I communicate to you whatever I know, but it's not that I know where we are going. I cannot guarantee you anything. Admitting this insecurity that is out there. You know, I think, first of all, I think that's rare, right? I, I don't think you have a lot of people being comfortable with that discomfort of the unknown, especially in senior leadership, right? Because, you know, the, the, the model in the script has always been your senior leader, you know the answers, right? When someone asks you a question, you have to have an answer right at your fingertips. And not knowing is, is akin to not being good at your job, not being smart enough, not being up for the task. So, so I think you very rarely get that level of frankness and saying, listen, I, I'm not quite sure where you're going. And this, this aspect of vulnerability that we talk so often about. Yeah, that's right. And I think this is a model that we see very much out there. And people are stuck in this model, the C-levels or the higher senior managers, as well as the people in the lower levels. Because in the higher levels, obviously, like you say, you do not want to admit anymore that you don't know it in very detail, that you don't know exactly where we're going to, that you just have a kind of vague idea because you think that is not a thing to do, but we have no idea of the outcome. Who wants to admit that, right? And I think that is that is the problem here because it's about admitting things and about being vulnerable, like you say, about being yourself, being a human being, so that the other human beings in the organizations, in wherever they are lower down in the organizations, feel like, hey, there's a human being honest with me and I can trust this person. So I think that is the problem that we face today in many organizations. It's nearly like a sickness a little bit that... Well, it's not there. And in the senior levels, they don't dare to go this far into the connection with their employees by fear of like losing their face or losing their reputation, maybe also in, in front of the other people on that C level. And on the other hand, we have people in the organization who, who long for it, who really need that because if they cannot rely on an outcome like they could do it in the past or 20 years ago, for example, when it came to change, What can they rely on today? I mean, the only thing they can rely on is the leader who tells them, hey, this is the direction where we go. <laughs> And if they feel like I can't rely on that person because I don't feel this person, there is no connection to it. I'm not sure if there isn't a hidden agenda. Then people start to struggle, like you say. And I think this is the problematic that we have out there. 
If we look now into, I introduced it in the beginning when we spoke about what we will tackle in this in this episode, it was about the so-called ABC model. And I think this is a very compelling and very simple model to memorize. But what is behind that? Because that can be a solution to create more connection, more trust in the organization, even though leaders do not know the outcome of the change. So what are the three things that I would have for example, a change leader focus on. And for me, that comes out to simple to remember, ABC, A, authenticity, be bold. And I can talk a little bit about what I mean there. And finally, continuous, you know, continuous in communications, continuous in maintaining the sponsorship, right? So, so again, authentic, bold, continuous, maybe let's dive in and, and unwrap each of this, if that's okay. Yeah, let's start with the authentic part, which I think is the basis of every <laughs> of every relationship that, that needs to be built on trust. It's about authenticity. Now, it's one of these big buzzwords at, at the same time. And many leaders, I think they don't even know exactly what does it mean to me as a leader. I mean, it's very individual, obviously. And authenticity has such a stake with people because it's rare in the business world, because most people put on their corporate persona when they come to work and then authenticity is kind of gone. And that is the whole challenge. How do you see that? Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right. And actually, interestingly enough, we started talking about vulnerability. You know, the thing to remember here for me is people are very, very good and attuned to understanding or feeling or seeing when someone's not really being themselves, right? And, and you often see it even in others, right? So you'll, you'll have a conversation with a, with a friend and, and you know they pick up a phone or they start speaking to someone else and they show up slightly differently. And you're thinking, well, wait a second, there's something here. You know, there's, a, there's a dissonance here that you need to explain away. And the way you do is you're saying, well, they're not quite necessarily like that, right? And, and I've worked with a lot of senior leaders in the last 30 years where you're having a conversation with them behind closed doors and then they go out into a room and they just show up very, very differently. And they think I'm going to put forward the, the way I believe others want to hear or want me to show up. And this is the issue, right? We, we start getting in our own heads around, well, who do others want us to be? Uh, what do they want to hear? How do they want to hear it? And then based on that, you start building this persona of how you need to show up as a senior leader. You see this a lot in, in leaders who are just now getting into new roles, who are now expanding the scope of, of the kind of work they're doing, and they feel that they need to be some kind of senior leader persona, and in doing so, show up as inauthentic. And people right away say, oh, wait, something's not Right. Maybe they can't put their finger on it, but they feel that, you know, they're not showing up the way I've experienced them in the past or I've experienced them in other settings. And right away that triggers this, ooh, something's wrong. There's a hidden agenda, as you said, uh, or, or I don't know if I can trust what's being said. Right. And that's one of, I think, the issues in authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that a lot too. I've done it myself as well. When I climbed up the career ladder, that was exactly what is happening. Because the more you climb up the career ladder, the more you feel there are politics around you. There are certain expectations. You get into certain leadership circles and you need to be in a certain way. and Or you think you need to be in a certain way. Now, looking back at this, I think, well, how stupid is that? <laughs> because at the end, I think that I would have had a much easier time to get my ideas through 
and to get the buy-in from people on the same level, but also on the levels below, if I had been just myself and being more clear about my message and also about what I don't want. You no, know, we often shy away from that. We try to promote what we think is good and it has to get out there and all of that. And this is how we position ourselves. And I think for C-level leaders, once you are at that stage, I think one of the biggest, and I would like to open a bracket here about this because I think it's so important when it comes to authenticity. You mentioned it already. The biggest, the, the, the most impactful thing you can do actually is to show vulnerability. When you do this as a junior leader, it's much more difficult in the sense that you have to prove yourself and maybe vulnerability is then seen with a critical eye from your leadership. So it's a different story that we will not discuss today. That when you are in a situation, in a, in a position high up there, where people have always seen you, where you showed up as what you thought is the perfect version of yourself, kind of, <laughs> you're showing up with your corporate persona every single day. It's so powerful when all of a sudden you show vulnerability. Can you give me an example or an idea how this could look like? You know, what could be a concrete situation or what you have seen maybe about this? Yeah, so let me let me share something and, and be a, a bit provocative here, right? Vulnerability, I know over the last years certainly has has gained in prominence and everyone talks about being vulnerable. It, there is a fine line to be walked, right? Because a lot of people get concerned and say, well, what does that mean? You know, I need to share everything that's on my head, all my feelings, and that's just not who I am, right? So there is an aspect of authenticity which says, listen, if you're not that person that emotes constantly and shares your feelings, no one's asking you to now be different in that sense, right? Vulnerability doesn't necessarily mean that. And, you know, I remember 10, 15 years ago, there was a case where there was a, a factory and it was about to, to close down because they were struggling and they were going to look at moving it potentially. And they put a new leader to lead the, hopefully the turnaround of this factory to maintain its doors open. They put someone in place and they were openly vulnerable and saying, listen, this is, we're in dire uh, need of change. And I'm not sure if I'm the right person because, you know, this is new for me. I've never done anything like this, but I'm sure, you know, you know, let's see if we can, if we can figure out our way through. And they were completely vulnerable um, and it didn't go well. Right. So the, the, they ended up uh, having to leave. And the reason was people at that point needed someone to stand up and say, listen, this can be hard, it will be hard, but I think we can get through it and I think I can do it and I can lead you through it. So there's still vulnerability there saying, I don't know the answer, but there has to be matched with some level of confidence because people look to leaders for some, if not end state vision as to where we're going directionally, uh, that there is a way forward and that this will be okay, right? Nobody wants to get into a plane and hear the pilot say, hey, this is my first time flying the plane. I'm not so good at this, but hopefully we'll we'll take off and land safely, right? You want to hear that, yes, we can get through this. Um, and where vulnerability comes in is in, in saying that, hey, listen, I, I don't know the answers to all the questions that you might ask, but I think we can figure it out together and we can move forward in a good direction, right? So it's a balance of being authentic in, within the frame of how you show up and who you are and being vulnerable, but having that confidence and vulnerability doesn't mean I don't know anything. It just means I might not know the way forward. I might not know the next step to take, but as we take the next step, we'll figure out, you know, what's the next one after that.
that makes me think of what I what I usually teach in classes when it comes to building charisma, because that is a little bit like that. Charisma is the balance between warmth and competencies. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly that. Find the balance between warmth, which is vulnerability, which is connecting on a human level, admitting that you're not a superstar who knows it all. And at the same time, being competent as well and saying, hey, I have experience in this, you know, <laughs> coming out of the blue, we have a plan. But I also sometimes feel uncomfortable with this plan because I am a human being is quite natural. So admitting something like that at the same time can work very well. And I, I believe that that is what is mostly missing because many leaders show a lot of competencies, but not enough warmth. Yeah. And that makes them look inauthentic or pretty stiff as well, pretty much a plan as if they had learned by heart what they want to say. As a communications leader, which I, I've done so many videos, you know, with CEOs and, and C-levels, and it's just amazing how much they become very scripted and very stiff in front of a camera. And that is what kills change projects. I've seen that very often because all authenticity is gone as soon as they have to look into a camera. And also, this is quite natural. Many people re react to this when they are filmed. Yeah. But there we have this lack of authenticity very often. And oftentimes this is used as the one big communication tool to launch a change, to announce a change. And we have then this, this element of communication that is inauthentic and immediately breaks the connection and immediately breaks the, the trust that people can have in that person because of lack of authenticity. Yes. So something to really think about, yeah. Absolutely. And your framing of warmth and competence is is spot on. As a matter of fact, the example I used was someone who showed absolute warmth in opening up, but lacked the competence or at least the perceived competence from, from the people, right? So you, you do really need to, to find that balance. Yeah, well, well said. Let's move to the second one, the B, being bold. How would you frame that? Yeah, I think, you know, being bold. I, I mean, first of all, I would say we often pick safety over purpose, right? So safety is, ooh, I'm not going to say too much. You know, what if I say too much and it increases doubt? To be safe is, well, what if I, if I put it out there and there's questions and I can't answer them? What happens, right? These are the moments that break. This is fundamental belief that here's a moment that makes or breaks you. If I get the wrong answer, if I say the wrong thing, then, you know, uh, no one will trust me. And we have to reframe and say these moments aren't make or break moments. They're opportunities to engage. And I remember as a young consultant, I, I was running a rollout of a big change in an organization, and it was a multiple phase over the world, and I was running a, a second phase, right? Now, the first phase had happened in another part of the world. There was a lot of rumors that it didn't go well, right? That it was mishandled, that, that it was of high impact, et cetera. So we had invited one of the change leaders from that first phase to come and join us as we kicked off the second phase. And this person came in, he was a, a colleague of mine, more of a mentor, really. He'd been doing it for a while. And he went up and sure enough, right after one or two minutes, people started asking the questions saying, well, hold, hold on. I know you're telling me what's going to happen, but I heard from my friend, you know, in that other location that it didn't go well, that you know, that, that the change was mishandled, that it was really had a high impact. And, and I remember getting nervous and I looked at him and said, oh, what's he going to say? You know, please just say, no, no, it was all fine and we'll move on. And, all, and he just opened up and said, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, man, it was, the communications were poor. And he started unpacking all of the things that they did wrong. 
And I remember as a, as a, again, as a junior consultant in that sense, I was thinking, what are you doing? You know, this is horrible. You know, you're telling these people that it was, that it was a bad change. And now you, you know, I'm going to be left holding all this anxiety and trying to help these people through something that you're just making 10 times worse. And I was incredibly surprised that people just started engaging. They, they were being grateful and they said, well, you know, thank you for, for telling us and being honest and ooh. And you know, when you put a problem to someone, they automatically want to solve it, right? So as soon as he started unpacking all the things that went wrong, you know, you started hearing people in the room saying, ooh, yeah, but that won't happen here, you know, because we really have a pretty strong communications group and I think we can do this. And all of a sudden everyone started problem solving. And I remember when we finished, everybody was coming up to him being so grateful and thankful to him for opening up, for being honest. And that was an incredible lesson for me, right? Because in my mind, the whole time I was like, stop talking, don't share anymore, say it was fine, you know, we'll figure it out. And that was one of my lessons. And I took that with me throughout my career and changes. So for me to be bold is, again, pick purpose over safety. This is what we're after. And most often, I'd love to hear now your uh, perspective and, and your experience that leaders will shy away from you know sharing any of the of the bad news, you know, hanging up your dirty laundry, as we say, because they want to show that everything is going to be fine. But actually, you know, to be bold and share the right and the wrong, the good and the bad, is 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 one of those things that would would absolutely always aid you in in communicating change. How, how do you see it? I also believe that it's very important to be able to admit mistakes and to be bold about that because people feel immediately, immediately when you're not. I mean, people feel it. And I think leaders underestimate that. I think when they say the right words or what they believe in this moment are the right words because they put safety over purpose, people will believe it. <laughs> but actually... As human beings, we are we are wired and programmed and have this fantastic brain that immediately, immediately analyzes every single micro-mimic in the face of the people that are speaking to us. And we realize immediately if they are credible or not, if we believe them. And especially if there's history behind that, where we had already the experience that, that they were hiding things away, that things were not said boldly enough, and that things are polished. You know, it makes me think also about these... Um, Again, you know, if you write a, a CEO communication or a communication coming from the senior leadership and it goes through the 10, 20 turnarounds that everybody has read it and everybody has removed what could be potentially harmful <laughs> or misunderstanding, at the end you have a one-pager where there's nothing in anymore. It's so slick, <laughs> so polished. It's like, what does it mean? I mean, there's nothing in it. And I think that is where we miss the boldness. Totally, because there is no boldness anymore. And I think it needs a lot of courage to be bold because, as you said as well, you don't know exactly what the reaction will be, but you also often don't know what the reaction is with a very polished text. And people are often thinking a polished text brings them into a safe mode because they control that somehow. Whereas I really see it like it's the exact opposite. When you do things that are not bold because they are very, very polished, all angles are round, then you have no clue actually what is happening. You have no control because people will fill these gaps, obviously. Like we said also before, they will fill the gaps. People always fill the gaps. And if you are bold, then it's like, whoa, I got a message here. I can feel that. I can understand. It, cre it creates emotions in me too. 
it, it creates a variety of emotions, but what it certainly creates less, I think, is mistrust and the fact that people think, nah, I don't know, there's something behind that. Because then they might they might get fear as well, but at least they think, hey, what they say is true. I feel there's truth. And as there is truth, I can get my courage together, even if I feel fear now about this change, and just go for it because they are going for it. They are bold enough to do it. Why am I not bold enough? So I think mm. kind of role modeling in there as well, being bold. Because when you are, you help people to be bold as well. Whereas when you're not bold, well, why should why should people have the courage to go for the change or go the extra mile or do anything that puts them at risk? So that's I think why why being bold is a is a perfect way of also role modeling the behavior that you expect from people in the change because you want them to come up with ideas, you want them to contribute. You do not just want them to follow. Usually, people want them to contribute as well to to add some value, and that is only happening when you also well take the risk to go out of that comfort zone and be bold instead of choosing the safety. Yeah, I love I love what you were saying there. I mean, a few things. One. You made an exact example of how I was feeling, right? I wasn't courageous enough to to be that bold until I saw someone else taking a step in that direction and role modeling it. And all of a sudden I said, oh, okay, then maybe there is some safety and actually some value in, in doing that. And you also connected it nicely there, the, the bold to the authentic and to the vulnerable, right? So it's the aspect of, you know, if you, if you ever see someone speaking, right? They've, they've noted that an audience's trust and connection to the speaker spikes slightly after they make a mistake sometimes with a word or with a, because it shows humanity and authenticity, right? So, you know, back to your comment of the polished text, very often you see these beautifully written texts by C-suite leaders. And, you know, especially for us who are in the, in the change field and know how these things work, we always think, oh, I wonder who my uh, comms colleague was who wrote that for them. And our comms colleagues do an amazing job. But once you start cleaning it to the next end, you know, that it just no longer says anything to your point, right? And this is the aspect of, you know, what we call regression to the mean, right? So there's, there's always a way of doing this. And then we want to be bold and different but well, maybe not so much and maybe we should clean it up and we should fix the language and eventually you end up right in the middle ground where, where everyone looks at it and says, yeah, okay, corporate communications and they dismiss it right away. Yeah, exactly. So if ever a C-level is listening to this, <laughs> the message is give your comms colleagues or your comms people the chance to help you be bold and take that risk because in reality, probably you have less risk being bold then not being bold where you send a message that at the end doesn't do anything anymore. So I think that's the key message here. And I think it is a communication skill that can be honed, right? I mean, you mentioned the video thing. I think that's spot on. You know, I was working with a leader a few years back and we were prepping for, for some live type session. And I was discussing with them some of the questions that might come up from the audience. And well, listen, here's a tough one. What if that came up? And they were answering and we were going back and forth and it was, absolutely amazing. Like it was really open and authentic and vulnerable. When the day came, when we actually did it live, all of a sudden it sounded scripted, right? Because they had thought about all these potential questions, but instead of hearing them for the first time and reacting from an authentic place, you know, they went from a place of, okay, that was question four. Here's the answer perfectly stated, but it landed flat. You know, when I spoke to other folks afterwards, they said, yeah, you know, I kind of like the answers, but, you know, they sounded well scripted and flat. You know, I think it was somebody, somebody wrote and gave them the answers. And I remember, you know, 
supporting that leader and saying, no, 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 that's uh, actually, I prepped with them beforehand. And I promise you, that's exactly what he was thinking. These weren't scripted answers. They were his. But again, the way they came out was was in a, in a very flat, inauthentic way. Yeah, absolutely. As a practical tip, I think can be really if you if you do a video for your people as a leader and just go for it and try it out spontaneously. I mean, if you don't like it, you can still redo it. <laughs> you know, sometimes it feels as if oh, the first take needs to be the one somehow, and right. that's why they prepare so much. But I think just go for it and try to be spontaneous, don't overthink it, don't think about the answers the day before or days before even, and just try to go for it in a spontaneous way and and try that out once. When I do these podcasts, I don't like to prepare too much because exactly of that reason. If not, it's too staged and it doesn't land and people can't feel the message. And that is exactly what leaders could do as well. Just try it out once. So this leads me now to the last one. Well, not really leading to because that's in, like on top of the A and the B. Authentic, bold, and C, continuous. So why is that so important then? Yeah. So, I mean, imagine we, we got the other ones spot on, right? So you're really authentic. You know, you're, you're speaking in your voice around what you, what you feel. You're being bold, right? You're sharing, hey, this is how it's going to go. This is what I don't know. And this is what I think might happen. Um, and then when all is done, you say, okay, great. That's the end of my sponsor role. I, I had a few webinars. I wrote a couple letters and now I'm done. Good luck. Or you're a change leader who says, yeah, you know, we're pushing forward and okay, well, you know, I can move on to another role. I just got another job offer in another part of the business or, uh, and they move on and the next person says, well, that's not my change, right? So there's a lot of reasons why change journeys get disrupted, right? It's either a leader changes or changing strategy. And if you look at, you know, I mean, it's been said forever, I'm sure, you know, you and all your listeners would have heard of, you know, 70% of, of change programs fail, right? It's always the number that comes out there. And I think it was originally written back in the 90s in re-engineering the corporation, Gary Hamill, I think, who wrote that with Champion. And, and then, of course, McKinsey picked that up and they did their studies. What I always found interesting was very often it's a second part of that sentence that doesn't get shared, which is, you know, 70% of change programs fail to achieve all of the outcomes from the business case, right? So then all of a sudden you say, well, hold on. So was the business case maybe too lofty or did they just all of a sudden decide at one point that, yeah, listen, we got enough of the value. Let's stop this and move on, right? So I think for an whatever change sponsor or change leader or change practitioner you're talking about, we sometimes struggle really to, to maintain that interest and that pace of change and that engagement for long enough to see some of these benefits coming through, right? And, and all for good reasons, right? We move on to different projects, something else comes, the technology changes. But when we can unpack each of these different stakeholder groups, but I think it's continuing to keep focus long enough to either be clear on the benefits you've achieved or be clear on the shift in strategy. But I think very often we start out with a bang and you know have a kickoff. And one thing I remember from my consulting days, you know, we would have these massive kickoffs. You know, I worked for a lot of large big four consulting firms and we come in, have a big kickoff with the client and you know, all hands meeting stage and the you know CEO would come out and speak. And I, and by the time the project left, people start rolling off, meaning as a consultant, you start moving on to other clients. As an internal practitioner within an organization, you start moving on to other projects, so you go to other functions. 
And towards the end, it trails off slowly. So you start with this, you know, and I always remember you start with these big, you know, balloon audio visual spectacular kickoffs and you end with a whimpering slowly people start leaving right and that for me just summarizes what a lot of change looks like so i think to to be continuous and clear and mindful of what that journey looks like all the way through its fruition is is absolutely key how do you see this yeah, I see it exactly like that. That's what I want you to say. I think it's it, people take it as a sprint in the beginning. Like you say, it's big bang. Yeah, we launched a change, but actually it's a marathon. <laughs> and that means that you need to stay like that because it also has to do a lot with trust and to just close the loop with what we said in the very beginning that today changes are so complex that it's not about understanding an outcome in a certain time period anymore. It is about having no concrete outcome in no real time period anymore. And also many changes that overlap each other at the same time. So the only thing that people can really try to relate to is a leader or several leaders they trust. And trust is only built with continuity. So it, it really goes hand in hand. You cannot be this bold and authentic person one day suddenly and for the next two weeks, and suddenly you don't show up anymore. You don't have a concrete opinion anymore. You hide again between behind prepared phrases, for example, or sentences that, that you always say, and you become this leadership persona that you have always been. So it's really about being bold enough and make it uh, a habit, make it your new leadership persona, which is not a persona anymore. It's you simply as a leader who is authentic, bold, and that on a continuous way. It's your new way of being. I think it's important to see that if you really want to be a, a good change leader, you need to be authentic and bold as your new way of being on a continuous basis. And that's what this ABC means. It's easy to understand it's not easy to implement if you have been used to a certain behavior for many, many years, for decennies maybe even, and to go out and say, hey, wow, now I'm bold. Now I'm I'm vulnerable. Now I show things or say things that I have never said before. Whoa, 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 what will happen to me? But I can just encourage leaders, and the higher they're up in the, in the hierarchies, the more they have that impact, not just because of the hierarchy, but because the way how we see these leaders and how we have experienced them over our own career for many, many years. And coming with that, I would call it even a surprise to be very authentic and bold. is so refreshing that people will just remember you in a different way, will start following you. And if they follow you, they follow your ideas and they follow the change that you're proposing to them, even if it's a very uncertain journey they have to embark on. Yeah, thank you, Ricardo, for being here, for sharing this really, really good insights. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning into Leading Change Conversations today. I hope you found our discussion inspiring and informative. I surely did. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Plus, sign up for our newsletter to access our practical transformation roadmaps on a regular basis or book a free call with me through my website to discuss the challenges you face right now. And if you want to become a guest on this show, just go on my website, leadingchangeconversations.com and pick a slot of your choice in my calendar. I'm surely looking forward to getting to know you. And until next time, keep leading, keep learning and making a difference. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Bye-bye, everyone.